The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this month's guest is Gengar. Gengar are a four-piece band from Hackney in East London. Their third studio album, Sanctuary, is an intimate dive into lead singer Felix's experience with loss. It is also, however, a celebration of friendship and collaboration. Felix's bandmates Hugh, Danny, and John stuck by him, and they brought on Jack Steadman of Bombay Bicycle Club as producer. The resulting songs are glimmering, heartbreaking, hopeful, and liberating all at the same time. I have Felix here now to discuss it more. I am honestly really happy that we're getting to do this because... When I last interviewed you for Where Wildness Grows, that was my last ever student radio show, so that was kind of me wrapping up a project, and this is the first episode of my new podcast. So yeah, so it, it's kind of nice. It's like a bit symbolic, but it makes me really happy. Yeah, me too. That's nice. Glad to, glad to be the, um, the bookmarks, or whatever they're called, the things that hold the books together. Uh, bookends, that's it. I think what I want to start talking about is, I mean, just each album is so different, and I think that the thought process or the headspace that you guys were in was clearly really different from album to album. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, It has been a kind of changing process. I think we've all kind of been in various sort of places in our lives while we started, you know, from when we started to where we are now. I think the nature of this record in particular is probably the most different. Um, there were kind of things we were doing on the second record, which we did a lot more of this time around. I think, you know, the kind of, the, the more kind of working in isolation was something which we did a bit on, on Where Wildness Grows. Um, we were certainly like writing less in the rehearsal room than we had been previously, I think. Um, but I think, you know, that's just part of a natural progression with the band. You know, when you spend the whole year on the road together, um, you know, right on top of each other. I think when you get home, you sort of want a little bit of, um, of space, you know, mm-hmm. um, not to say that we don't get on or anything, but you know, it's kind of, uh, I think it's just natural that you, you want to kind of, um, have that, that element of separation, you know? So, um, a lot of the work or, well, the entirety of this album was, was kind of written, uh, outside of the rehearsal room, which is, nothing like what we've done before you know i think there's always been that um that process has always been um entwined with um getting the tracks finished um at some point but um this time around you know we we hadn't played or we still haven't played some of the songs live we're kind of um figuring that out now and you know we've we've done it on some and it seems to work okay but um yeah we kind of didn't have that limitation i think you know of 
having to be able to play the song before we recorded it. You know, we were doing things in um in a different way. And like speaking of saying isolation, like I know you had considered this being a solo album. Like this was very much not an album that you're writing for a deadline, you know? Also, those are I know two kind of different things, but I think both are important to the way that this got written. Yeah, definitely. I didn't really um I wasn't really sure what was going to happen after the last record, you know. I think um it was quite a turbulent time for the band, you know, we we fired our old management, we um weren't sure where we were going to be. Um we didn't know if we if we'd have a label to release any music on. You know, there was a lot of um unanswered questions really, I think. And on top of that, it'd been really hard work. So um I think, you know, in my head, we hadn't had a conversation, but I kind of thought personally, you know, if if anyone at this point decides, you know what, I can't really be bothered with this anymore, I would have said, fair enough. So yeah, I think I was trying to just keep going in my own way and um you know thankfully everyone did stick around and um i think mm-hmm. we're kind of more united than ever now so um yeah yeah because i mean it's definitely something very vulnerable when you have this idea and you're like i you know i want to do something with this but i don't know if it's like like if this doesn't work i don't want you to get stuck with it but clearly like they banded with you which is really awesome yeah totally i think you know it is it's difficult i think previously it's it's i haven't really been very well haven't been anywhere near as open as a songwriter but i think you know when you're writing songs in the company of others um it's an incredibly um brave thing to do if you're going to sit down and kind of um really open up and you know doing that is much easier when you're on your own i think and um mm-hmm. like you say you know these songs represent me more probably and i think previously when I've been writing, I've been thinking about the songs having to represent the whole band and what that means, you know, that has to, it has to have a, you have to have an element of um, a separation between yourself and what the songs are because you're, you're not just writing for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a sense, but sometimes there's also something really good about getting to be personal, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of my favorite things about this record. I found Where Wildness Grows was fairly open, but there was still a little bit of hiding, whereas this record is like a lot more like this is where I'm at this is what I'm going through and I'm going to talk about it <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's probably a fair a fair assessment mm-hmm. I didn't really um I don't think I ever really thought about it too much um but I kind of knew quite early on that it was sort of unavoidable you know I don't I didn't think that I could I, I didn't think I could cloud everything in metaphors and just kind of um, waltz around um, pretending that stuff wasn't happening. I think um, you kind of had to face the music a little bit and um, whatever that was going to be, whether it was going to be with a band or was it going to be on my own, um, I knew that I needed to do that. And um, I'm just glad, I guess, that it, it came into fruition, that it would be like a, a proper album and it, and it became a Genga record. I think that's an achievement in itself, really, because, um, you know, there was so much uncertainty around what we were doing at the beginning that um it does feel kind of miraculous that it all ended up fitting together so seamlessly at the end you know Mm -hmm. absolutely and i mean it really is like such a seamless album i think like i've thought to myself it's definitely the most like ambitious in terms of sound and texture i know that also has to do a lot with bringing jack steadman into the project because he really clearly stretched you guys in a different direction yeah i think you know we've kind of always 
been incredibly, um, you know, DIY in the approach we do things. You know, we've kind of done everything from production to, you know, getting stuck in with the music videos, doing all the artwork and graphic design stuff. And mm-hmm. I think um, there was an element to the band this time that sort of felt like, you know what, maybe we don't know everything. You know, maybe there are people better suited to do this or who can help out with that. So um, it did feel like a, a more open collaborative album in the end. I think from one perspective, having the songs being a lot more personal, I think the kind of process in making the album was was a lot more collaborative. So it's um, mm-hmm. kind of got a strange um, juxtaposition between those two sides of it already, you know, because I did think that there's probably more people involved in getting the record finished um, than ever before, despite the fact that it kind of, a lot of it started off just being one person. So um, yeah, it's, it is a funny old, funny old thing, I guess. Was it a difficult thing for you to get used to working with someone else, like outside of the band? Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I think it was very different for me. Uh, I learned a lot doing that. I think Jack, was very easy to work with. I, I'd known Jack, um, just to add a little context, I knew him since we were kind of teenagers. So I met him when uh, I was 17, maybe, 16, 17. And it was kind of that time where you just start going to house parties and start drinking and smoking and all the rest of it. And um, so it was a very strange kind of coming around that I hadn't seen him for a long time. And um, they obviously, he was doing stuff with Bombay Bicycle Club. They were touring the world mm-hmm. and being super successful and we were kind of doing whatever the hell we were doing yeah the way it came about was was very very kind of lucky i guess you know it was just kind of pitched do you want to do a kind of standalone single to tie the end of you know where wildness grows you know we can do it as like a one-off release and we said yeah um jack wanted to do it so we did it and then it was just kind of such a blast that we just decided like oh that was easy you know like it was it was good fun why don't we just do an album? And uh, I was already writing stuff, so we kind of thought, well, I don't have an album worth of material at all, but there are some songs we can start. So it was kind of like this conveyor belt of like, I would give him the kind of best idea I had at the time. We'd work on that. And meanwhile, I'd be kind of getting other ideas together with the band to then kind of keep feeding Jack as we kind of went, you know? So, um, (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a very different way of writing. You know, I think, you know, previously we've always had the whole album together, but I think this way, the way we were doing it, we're kind of picking the songs as we went. I think that kind of helped kind mm-hmm. of sculpt the whole overall sound, you know, because we were picking songs that fitted or we felt would fit in really nicely with the album and would complement what's already there, you know, rather than necessarily kind of having the, the whole body of work finished. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because the album still feels very much like a story and I don't know if it's perfectly linear necessarily, but it does feel like there's a growth and a kind of personal development that happens through it. So despite the fact that you kind of picked as you went along, it does feel like the songs were made to be together. Yeah, I think well, some of that as well comes because, you know, you're trying to, I often redraft things even as I'm doing the takes, you know, I'll Mm. kind of decide, oh shit, you know what, like this bit maybe this doesn't make sense or maybe there should be something else and to the point where i think um jack got quite frustrated with me by the end and was like it was fine the first time you've, you've made it worse just stop stop <laughs> stop singing now um it, that was able i was kind of able to make them i think more um cohesive because once the songs kind of were in there I, I wanted them to fit in with that with that narrative and and feel a part of the same world you know so i think um 
I was kind of conscious of that. You know, I don't necessarily think all the songs fitted in right away, but I think by the end they kind of all had had a place that at least made sense to me. You know. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on something that you just said, like how you like would constantly want to change certain aspects of it, and he would be like, "Okay, stop it." Are you the perfectionist in like that situation and in that dynamic? I think that everyone's the perfectionist when it comes to their own parts. And that's just, I mean, John's the same. John re-records guitar parts when he goes home and then sends them back into the studio. And he'll just be up all night doing that. And um, it's totally bonkers. And we end up normally just going back and using the original one. But I think it's the nature of, you know, you want to feel as though you've done the best you can on on any given part, especially with the vocals, you know, because they're so often so vulnerable they're right at the front you know you're Mm kind of like you hear every hiss pop crackle and um i don't know i mean i i I don't really like the sound of my own voice i I don't know maybe most people don't um you know i think it takes someone else to kind of say like oh no that sounds really good i don't know i'm generally like probably more critical than than anyone else would be but um yeah i'm I'm, i i struggle with that stuff i think i'm getting better at it but i think um generally i just yeah i'd I'd redo it and redo it and I'd, i'd never get out of the studio i think at that point I mean, to be fair, I think we all get a bit of like imposter syndrome in whatever we're doing where we're like, I shouldn't be doing this or someone else could be better than me or whatever. But I think that's why it's good to sometimes have someone on the outside to kind of pull you out of that and be like, no, you're doing good. Like you said, I think that's part of the reason why the album came together so quickly as well, because normally I'd be self-editing and redoing takes 7000 times probably before I I gave up. Um, whereas I think having Jack as a sounding board there was it sped up that process you know it was I was able to be quicker getting through things because he would just sort of be like no that's it it's done it's fine stop Mm -hmm. we're gonna gonna move on and I kind of was quite happy for him to take the lead on that I think you know Mm -hmm. if you bring in someone with more experience in yourself then you've got to listen to the decisions that they want to make I think you know otherwise you're you're wasting their time you're wasting your own time so um I think that that was a really important thing that that we didn't really struggle with, to be honest. I don't think there there was never a moment where anyone felt like Jack overstepped his mark and or you know mm-hmm. felt that they'd been kind of like put out or you know it's just they, it felt very natural and comfortable. You know, everyone got on really well, and I think um, we kind of allowed Jack to just make the final call on if something was good enough. You know, rather than us do what we have done in the past and spend um weeks and weeks trying to re-record the same thing in a in an attempt to find perfection which generally doesn't exist as far as i'm I'm aware you know nope does not i i mean i totally agree i think sometimes like like you said you guys the four of you are obviously very involved in your own project and you're all individually perfectionist so again having someone who's sort of removed from that not even just that he's obviously incredible at what he does like it's kind of Again, sometimes you almost need your what's what's the expression like your Switzerland or like your Sweden? What's the neutral country? Yeah, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, and I think as well, the, probably the the most important thing from that was just that it kept things fun. Um, whereas you can really drain any enjoyment out of something if you spend too much time kind of doing the same bit. You know, mm-hmm. you want to keep like an overall kind of image of or a projection maybe of what it what it should end up being um and if you get too zoomed in on the details you can often lose focus on that and i think the best producers uh are able to do that they can keep the big picture in their heads the whole time and avoid doing what you know we used to we used to call art schools like knitting you know 
when you're like shading the same area when it's you're making the picture worse every time um yeah it's just something to do so yeah i think that um that is important i think that you know that they're the kind of things that i knew i think but it's it's never it hurts to be reminded these things you know mm-hmm. yeah do you feel like you felt some of that type of strain when you were working on where wildness grows definitely i think you know there was a massive pressure on you know, I, I felt like everything was easy on the first record because no one knew who we were, so we just we just done it. So you mm-hmm. know, there was like no, there was no, uh, no one reviewing it, no one saying shit about you on Twitter or anything. It was just us just making music for fun. Um, and then once people are like, oh yeah, th- I quite like that, or I don't like that, then suddenly you've got shit like other people's opinions now have taken some sort of seat in the room. And I think trying to get your head around that um, can be difficult. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I certainly found it a little bit challenging. I think, you know, you want to be really bold. You want to come out and feel like you've stepped everything up and you've made a better album and you're a better band. And, you know, it's not necessarily that easy. I think, you know, you kind of, um, it's all like, um, it's all hard work really, you know, you've got to kind of roll your sleeves up and just, um, just, just do the work you try and try and enjoy it as much as you can. But I think we did for whatever reason, we found ourselves not really having a great time making that record. It just felt difficult. I think, you know, we had to re-record it in its entirety. Um, oh my God. So that was kind of a bit of a drain really, you know, trying to get, when you do something the first time, it's, it's fine, but if you have to re go and re-record the same thing exactly. Well, maybe not exactly the same, but you know, pretty much part for part the same again in a, in a different studio after that, then kind of some of the fun has been sucked out by that point, you know, and I think mm-hmm. everyone's aware of that as well, but you're trying to, you're trying your best not to think about that or not, not make that into a thing because, you know, the more you think about it, the more it is a thing. So, um, yeah, I think that was just kind of a little bit of a, an underlying tension, I think, which came with that album. That That's one of the things I like about this album now is that it feels like that tension is at least largely gone. Like, it's like you kind of hit the reset button, you know, because you, you're not working with a label, for instance, on this one. You kind of were just like, nope we're doing this our way basically i mean that was the option we had i think you know we'd we'd been on tour we toured the last record and uh we came to the end of the year we'd done all the festivals uh we'd parted ways with our management uh we were essentially just on our own at this point and we had some money in the bank and it was like okay we can either pay ourselves at the end of the year or we can go and just record another album and just see what happens you know we didn't really have any other options available so we decided to bet on ourselves you know we went and recorded an album we'd obviously already worked with jack before so we just kind of asked him if he wanted to do it and he did so we kind of got to work really and the ambition was just we'll make it and we'll just see what happens after that you know uh um you know we were lucky enough that there was once we had the album we played it some people they you know they thought it was good and then um the kind of process started again and we managed to find a home for the record and it's kind of you know in a way we put together kind of just essentially a sort of a team of friends who are who are working with us now and that kind of feels really fun and quite wholesome and you know not sort of scary music industry stuff just people who are genuinely fans and and, and want it to do well so yeah it's um it's it's gone in a really really roundabout way we've sort of ended up in a good spot i guess you know mm-hmm. yeah i think roundabout is absolutely the right word like you kind of found in a sense, a comfort zone within what you're doing. And because of that, it's it seems like it's given you the freedom to do do things the way that they're meant to be done. And it's it's completely paid off. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, more and more 
especially for guitar bands, I think they're they're the ones probably suffering the most in this new kind of musical climate, should we say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, trying to find that um, sustainable kind of model that you're going to make music in, you're going to record, you're not going to have to work like three other shitty jobs to do this. Yep. You're going to have <laughs> enough energy to like make music. And, you know, we hadn't been able to find that. I think, you know, even when we had record advances, you know, that money goes kind of immediately and then you've, made a record like it's it's really difficult i think you know if you're the amount that it takes to, to break bands now it's like it's such an astronomical cost that um it doesn't happen very often and i yeah. think you know we were fortunate enough that we had kind of some infrastructure set up around us you know um something of an established fan base to, to kind of build on and i think you know we kind of needed to to sort of streamline how we were making music if we were ever going to make it um sort of functional in the long term you know so um i don't think we've kind of you know i'm not saying we've we figured everything out but i think we're more on the right direction of kind of retaining control over how we make music and how we put music out and and certainly um you know i guess you have to ask me in a year's time if if, if i was right or not but i think it, it feels like we've made the right decision for us now you know i mean at this point i definitely feel like you have um I want to dive in a little bit into the album itself and some of the stories and some of the themes in it. For me, one of the biggest, I guess, jump out themes of this album was not wanting to admit that there's a problem and sort of avoiding a problem. Does that ring true at all? Like, especially thinking about like Heavenly Maybe, which is literally about going out to avoid thinking about things. Yeah, I just think, you know, throughout what I was going through, I guess it was more kind of I it was a little bit all doom and gloom and trying to find moments to escape that uh, is fine. I think you know it's you don't need to like sit and suffer the whole time just because bad stuff's going on. I think you know you need to be able to find some kind of respite for that. And um, you know, sadly, probably the easiest way for that is just going out and you know getting trashed. And that's a very very um, foolproof, tried and tested method. And uh, for better or for worse, I mean, I don't think it's something which is sustainable, but, um, you know, as an instant relief, it works. And I think um, it's probably something that a lot of people can um, can empathize with because uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's a fairly common one, I guess. But, yeah, I guess trying to tackle a lot of the stuff, you know, I was going through, it was kind of a bit of a dark time. And I think mm-hmm. especially after you know, my mom passed away and I was kind of left in this kind of just feeling angry, I guess, more than anything. And then as a kind of double hit, I had my girlfriend then lost her visa. So I ended up just essentially on my own kind of dealing with all this stuff. And, you know, my way to get through it was to try and, you know, write songs and try and create something more positive, um, at least out of the, you know, out of that doom and gloom, you know, there's got to be, uh, there's got to be something good that comes of it, you know, and hopefully the, the songs are that. Yeah, I mean, I think you especially feel that once you get to the end of the album, because when I look at songs like Icarus and Moonlight, especially, I think the last line of Icarus, if I remember right, is something like we're going up it, or yeah, which is kind of the opposite of what the Icarus fable is about. Like this is supposed to be falling down, but this is it almost like represents like a turning point. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I wanted the album to finish positively. And I think there's kind of, you know, Moonlight probably in particular is kind of the uplifting moment where, you know, the album 
does reflect a lot of my own experience over the last um, year and a half, two years. Um, but it has a happy ending. So I think I, I didn't want the album not to have a happy ending. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, that had to be reflected. And I think when we were sorting out how the songs would be structured, you know, it's there's always an element of um, of uncertainty. But in that, there should be some hope as well, because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, there's, well, for lack of better term, there's like, there's always going to be tomorrow, right? So um, it may be shit today, but, you know, you kind of, you like, you don't know what's good, what's around the corner. So I would kind of had that in my mind as well when trying to put the songs together. I didn't want it to come across as like being, you know, too pitiful or, you know, down in the dumps. I think that, you know, there had to be an element of hope throughout. Otherwise, um, you know, what's the point? Do you feel like you were giving that to yourself as well by writing a hopeful ending for the album? I think so. It's kind of like, you know, you, you tell yourself like on repeat, you know, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right until it is. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't I don't I don't think I, I really thought too much about that. I think it's just kind of probably more of a, a natural instinct than anything. You know, I think we probably we want to be hopeful, you know give us give us anything and, and we'll we'll grab it you know so uh mm-hmm. i don't think it was um it wasn't a conscious decision to to do that i think it was just more of a natural response okay but yeah it definitely just needed to be there um i think one other thing i want to touch on quickly i know like you know the the concept of odysseus has been like a really big thing for this album it's obviously mentioned quite heavily like when i've heard about the album but one of the things that I really like about the idea of Odysseus is that it's a story of a very great journey. And to me, this album kind of reads like that, like because healing and going through all these things kind of is a big journey in itself, even if it happens internally. Yeah, I've kind of I think I've used other characters a lot in the past when writing mm-hmm. songs. I think it's been easier than kind of you can sort of pick a fictional or you know maybe even a real character that you feel represents something that you feel and then you can tell it through them sort of as like a vessel almost and then it takes kind of alleviates the pressure or the embarrassment of having to say that's how you feel mm-hmm. and um it's kind of something I've, I've done across all the albums i guess and for me when i was sat down thinking about this one i think that story just kind of stuck and normally i'd kind of go in and out and pick characters kind of and then drop them by the next song or whatever but I think with this one, it just um, it felt like that was going to be, you know, I guess in the sense that the Odyssey is an epic, you know, like the whole album would would embody that that kind of narrative to a certain point. You know, there are there are exceptions where it doesn't really fit as well. Um, so it wasn't it's not a concept album. But um, but yeah, it was a story. It was kind of something that felt it felt relevant. Um, and I think whenever I kind of lost my way and wasn't really quite sure what the songs were about, I would kind of lean on that story as kind of inspiration for how, where I wanted to take it or what I wanted to kind of emote within the songs, you know? I feel like ironically it gave you both an anchor, but it also gave you the space to be more vulnerable. I, I, I think picking that narrative as well, it kind of goes back to like to school as well. So it kind of had, for me, it felt, although I'm kind of looking forward, it also felt very nostalgic as well. So I think that kind of, that, that balance seemed to, kind of get me in a good headspace to, to, to write the songs. 
I guess circling around everything that we've said, it's you found for this album, you found a group of friends to work with you on this that care about you. You've stepped away from things that are toxic and you've found, I guess, comfort in this image of Odysseus. It's, I mean, the album is called Sanctuary and I think it almost feels like that title just encompasses all of this process. Yeah, I mean, the title was something that came quite late. I think that my my original title for the album was... Um, it was going to be post-war blues. And as I was kind of, it was quite late in the day when we'd already finished the, um, we'd already finished recording the album, I think. And I just kind of had this kind of epiphany that like, I thought it would just look really good on posters and billboards just to say sanctuary, you know, just so mm. people just see that word. Cause I think it just, it felt quite poignant. I think for the times as well, you know, I think mm. everybody could do with a bit of sanctuary now, you know, it seems yeah. like, uh, it it seemed like a, a welcome uh, invitation. So, um, yeah, I, I changed my mind at that point. I thought that it, it was a better kind of representation of what I wanted the album to be about, what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, it's comforting. And I think, again, like you said, both the people that are listening to Anita and I think that you needed it as well. And you've just, again, you've created this sort of space to just, with this album, to just kind of feel and regroup. And it's... I don't know, I'm trying to find the right words, but it's just such a good place to be at. Gengar's third album, Sanctuary, is out now and can be listened to anywhere you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and mixed by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 